Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. The aged apostle who wrote one of the last books of the New Testament surely knew the trouble Christians have in their experience of dealing with sins. And that's why the apostle John wrote in his first epistle in chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have an outstanding Life Study Radio program today focusing on Christ's wonderful care for us. If you are interested in how to deal with sin and sins after becoming a Christian, then you will want to stay with us for the next half hour as we dig into the experienced Apostle John's word to us believers. This is Matt Miller with Ron Kangas for the 13th Life Study of 1 John. Welcome back, Ron. Uh, good to be back, and I see you've made excellent progress uh, going through the first chapter with um, marvelous matters brought to light. And now here we are focusing on chapter 2, verse 1, which is most precious in what it reveals concerning Christ, concerning the aged apostles' intention concerning us, and concerning how we can relate to the Lord in love and in righteousness when we're in an unfortunate situation where we've committed some sin, we may not be living and are not living habitually in that. And we need to have a very clear understanding of how God views this and how we should view it. I just would insert at this point, there's not a clue, not a hint, not a trace in the text to indicate that one loses his or her salvation. Uh, John would not have spoken that way about an advocate with the Father. He would have said something far different if the act of committing a sin would cause a believer than to forfeit eternal life and to somehow become unborn as a child of God. That's an impossibility. So we are predicating this fellowship upon the revelation in the New Testament that our life relationship with the Lord is unchangeable. It is eternally secured. Once we have been born of God to become children of God, possessing the life and nature of God, we cannot cease to be God's children. Uh, Sin is serious. Committing acts of sin is also serious but it does not affect our life relationship. Rather, it affects our fellowship. So it does not cause us to lose our salvation, our justification, our reconciliation, our regeneration, but it does interfere with the fellowship of life, and the fellowship of life is the subject of this epistle. So to know the truth concerning how we, along with the Lord, should view our situation is most encouraging and strengthening and supplying 
And the word here has the potential of comforting many of the Lord's children and supplying them and shepherding them and confirming them in their life with the Lord. So it's with a sense of expectation in the divine life that I approach uh, this message and our fellowship related to it. So I'm happy to participate. Ron, I want to echo what you said, that there's some real comfort from the Lord in this program. And I'm also looking forward to it very much. It's very experiential and practical. And Satan seems to so effectively derail us in our Christian life by this matter of sin and learning how to deal with it. And I'm really looking forward to the aged apostles' practical and experiential fellowship with us to get through this problem. How about if we go to Witness Lee for his speaking from July 1st, 1983? In chapter 1, John, he only shows us the blood, the redeeming blood, which is the uh, constantly cleansing blood. He only shows us the blood. Here, he goes further to show us a person. In the divine provision, there is the blood, there's also a person. And this person is the one who shared the blood for us. And John gives this person a wonderful title, advocate. This Greek word parakletos has only been used in the New Testament by John. Firstly, he uses this word in John's Gospel, 14 and 16. And there, the Lord says, to his disciples, that he would ask the Father to give them another parakletos. The same word in John, we translated comforter. Because in John 14, 16, the Lord Jesus told his disciples he was going and they got bothered, they became sorrowful, those disciples need some kind of comfort. This Greek word parakletos does imply this thought of a kind of a comforter. This one who helps you, who serves you, who uh, uh, stands by you, and who goes along with you, is really a comfort to you. So he's a comforter. Then uh, to translate uh, it into advocate, it is also right. Why? Because in First John chapter 2, this is not the situation that needs comfort. Uh, this is a kind of case, a legal case that needs an attorney. See, you had a case. You didn't know what to do. Then you handed over the entire case to him. The attorney took care of your case. So this is an all-inclusive word implying the thought of nursing help and the thought of uh, a kind of a counseling and the thought of a kind of a consoling and the thought of a kind of a advocate, attorney, lawyer, and so forth. Ron, I really love this portion of the scripture, particularly 1 John 2, 1, that not only we have the precious blood cleansing us in chapter 1, but in chapter 2, we have a wonderful advocate like a lawyer 
arguing our case, but also consoling us and comforting us. How about this advocate? When we have a failure, it's very easy for us to be absorbed in our situation, uh, even obsessed with our feelings of guilt and shame and regret. And and, uh, the enemy is there, you know, to accuse us and to compound the matter. At this juncture, we need to have the realization concerning Christ presented in this verse. God always deals with our situations first by a person, Christ, and then second by a way, the cross of Christ. So we need to appreciate Christ in his aspect of being an advocate. And there is an objective emphasis here because we need someone who is with the Father, who has the standing with the Father to plead on our behalf based upon his redeeming death, based upon on the Lord Jesus being the propitiation for our sins. And issues related to sin involve righteousness with respect to God. Yes, the Lord Jesus is supremely loving, but John does not speak of Jesus Christ the loving, but Jesus Christ the righteous. We have a person who is for us, for us in the moments of our failure, of our sinning in the sense of committing an act of sin. He doesn't immediately turn into the judge. Rather, he functions as the advocate, interceding on our behalf, praying on our behalf, speaking on our behalf to the Father on the basis of his being the righteous, who, as the righteous one, died for the unrighteous to bring us to God. This is Peter's word. So we have a person with the Father who is really on our side. He is our attorney. He is our advocate. He is our counselor. And because of his ministry in ascension as the advocate, the Spirit is able to work in us, to cause us to turn to the Lord again, to believe in him, to contact him, to confess and to believe in his cleansing blood. So we thank the Lord that although there is no excuse for sin, Nevertheless, the problem of our sins gives God the opportunity to make Christ known to us in his office as the advocate. So however serious is an act of sin and however grieved we are over it, we should not lose sight of Jesus Christ, the righteous, our advocate with the Father. And a little footnote John did not say your advocate, as if they, the recipients, had the problem, but he did not have the problem. He knew that while we're still in the flesh, we have sin in the flesh, and we may occasionally commit acts of sin. So in the principle of the body and in the fellowship of life, John considered himself a part. 
we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Praise the Lord. Amen, Ron. That's very helpful fellowship, and I think we're going to go on, actually, to get more into that phrase. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. There's a particular phrase here, uh, an intimacy related to this matter of the Father. Let's go back to Witness Lee. We have an advocate with the Father. This bothers me. You see, here it doesn't say we have an advocate with God. With the judge, with the law court, we need an advocate, right? With our Father. Advocate is a term indicating legal cases. Father is a title indicating a family matter. So this is a family law court. Today, whenever we, the children of God, sin, we don't offend the government. We don't offend the police station. We offend our father. Our judge today is a father judge. And our court is a home. And our case is a family case. And we do have an advocate in our family who is our big brother. You have two titles here, advocate and father. Father indicates that uh, you are in the family, enjoying the father's love. Advocate indicates uh-huh, you should not be wrong. This is the way the Bible presents the truth, always in a balanced way. The father, no doubt, is the side of love. The advocate, no doubt, is the side of what? Righteousness. Even a child is wrong. The mother should not let the child go. Neither the father should. They both have to uh, discipline. Uh, your wrongdoing has built up a case. Uh, the case is not over yet. You can eat, you can sleep, you can still stay home, yet... Don't forget, you have a case. So you need an attorney. Jesus Christ, the big brother, is your attorney. Ron, there is so much contained in this one simple word by the aged Apostle John in this one verse in 1 John chapter 2. Reminds me of something you said earlier in a program we did in 1 John. You were referring to the writings of the Apostle John, that he spoke simple words, yet they were deep and profound. Here's a a real example of that, how we could have a simple word that's presenting a balance between God's love and God's righteousness. This is amazing and wonderful. There is a balance, you know, within God himself uh, related to his attributes. He is holy, yet he is merciful, and he is loving, Yet he is righteous. And John was very clear from revelation and then from his experience based on that revelation that our relationship in the fellowship of life with God involves righteousness and love. Uh, Love we'll explore uh, later in this life study. But anything that involves sin will bring in the matter of righteousness. Uh, Sin 
being an act of unrighteousness, an act of disobedience, puts us in a situation of being wrong. And so, because we're wrong, and this involves righteousness, then we need to have an advocate, someone who can function in this judicial realm. So an advocate here, by definition, is someone who functions according to righteousness. So we, with our natural insistence on wanting some kind of systematic consistency, right, or with our tendency to be unbalanced, we would link advocate with judge. And then everything is clear and one-sided. We have the advocate, we're in the law court, there's a judge, the case is being argued, then a verdict will be rendered. But the advocate is with the Father. So, as Brother Lee points out, based upon John's word, This makes it a family matter. And in a family, there is the element of righteousness, especially as it involves the father. And if there is to be some discipline or some clearing up, the father, although he's motivated by love, needs to act righteously. So the words the father indicate this is an in-house situation. It is not in an impersonal law court. It is in the family court. And the father is the one who renders the decision. And the children, we the believers, are those who may commit sins. But then we have the advocate who, in righteousness, speaks on our behalf. Then the father who is righteous, we know this from 1 John 1, 9, right? God is faithful and righteous. The Father, whose heart is full of love, yet is righteous, and he responds to the advocate's plea in righteousness to forgive us based upon his righteousness. But the motive of all of that is his love. So in this family, the divine family, consisting of God the Father and all of his children. There is both love, indicated by the word Father, and righteousness, indicated by the word Advocate. This is, in fact, a balanced, faithful presentation of the truth. Ron, it's so good to be spending a radio program talking about the Lord And how wonderful he is as a person, as an advocate, getting into his uh, person. And uh, in chapter 1, we saw his work. We have the Lord's blood cleansing us. In chapter 2, we have a wonderful person. I I can't help but think this is uh, really the focus of Witness Lee's entire life study is always to bring us back to this wonderful person. Let's go on and see more of this righteous one, Christ, in our conclusion of today's life study. We have an advocate. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the right one. Only the right one can be an advocate. Why you got the trouble? Why you have a case? Because you are the wrong one. You are the wrong one, so you need the right one to take care of your case. Then verse 2, and he is a propitiation. You see, in chapter 1, you have the blood. In chapter 2, you have a person, the advocate. 
Now you have another matter in between the blood and the advocate. What is this? Propitiation. Our advocate who shared his blood for the cleansing of our sins is our propitiation. He's our peacemaking. When a child is wrong, there is a case between the child and the father. And that case is a turmoil. And peace is lost. So there's the need of peacemaking. This is the propitiation. So in chapter 1, you only have the payment. You only have the blood. You only have the capital, the cash, to pay off your case. But uh, you don't have, in chapter 1, an advocate, an attorney, to take care of your case. So John goes on to tell us, not only God has provided us the capital, the payment, that is, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, God has also prepared us an advocate. Taking care of our case is so good. I don't think on this earth there has ever been such an attorney. Firstly, (laughs) pays your debt, and then takes care of your case. But uh, the Lord Jesus does. How wonderful. Well, it's pretty unusual to find an attorney who would first pay your debt and then take care of your case. But that's exactly what we found in the Lord Jesus. If what's revealed in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 were clear to the believers, we would be the happiest people on earth. Just getting into this program, I'd feel so full of joy within. I'm excited, Ron. I hope it's a divine excitement, but uh, I'd like to have hear your final thoughts on today's program. The first result will be peace. There's just peace in the household because this matter has been rectified, and my use of that word points to righteousness. And then eventually, there is the happiness, the joy of our salvation returns, the delight in the Lord, the appreciation of the Lord, the wonder that God in his infinite wisdom turns a situation of failure into an opportunity to appreciate Christ, to experience Christ, to enjoy Christ. We should be trained of the Lord not to allow our failures to loom larger than Jesus Christ himself and his cross. Sin is a terrible problem. To lose our fellowship, even for a brief period, is dreadful. But God has provided Christ with the cross as the all-inclusive solution. He is unique. He pays the price, that is, he pays the debt on our behalf, and then he advocates for us. What a wonderful person. His blood is eternally efficacious. His cross is applied to us in the Spirit. And he himself, the Lord Jesus, is a wonderful, all-inclusive person. How can we not have joy when we are brought from a condition of miserable failure in sin 
all the way back to the fellowship in life with the Father based upon the redeeming death of Christ and his function as the advocate. So we end up appreciating the Lord more, believing in him more, loving him more, experiencing and enjoying him more. This is the ground of our happiness. It is this wonderful person in his redemption taking care of every need that we may enjoy the triune God in the fellowship of the divine life. Ron, I really appreciate you coming into the studio today. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to participate. And thank you also. I really hope you've been able to enter into the uh, the wonder and the uh, joy that the Lord has in this salvation for every believer. If you'd like to get more materials, you can call us at one 543 3788 or just send an email to radio at lsm.org. On behalf of Ron Kangas, this is Matt Miller. Thank you very much for listening today. Millions of Christians have been strengthened in their faith through the ministry of Watchman Nee. In a recent release by Living Stream Ministry entitled The Overcoming Life, Watchman Nee sounds a call to the believers to pursue the normal Christian life that is hidden with God in Christ. The Overcoming Life is filled with truth, reverberates with hope, and brings the reader to renewed consecration. The Overcoming Life by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere.